Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Historically, people think of missions as one-directional. People from a predominantly reached area, usually the West, going to an unreached area, the rest of the world. But what if we told you that today's missions is multi-directional or polycentric? Join us as we discuss polycentric missions with Kevin Rogers and Keelan Cook in today's episode of From the Four Corners, Stories of the Global Church. Welcome to today's episode of From the Four Corners, Stories of the Global Church. Today I'm joined by Kevin Rogers and Keelan Cook as we discuss a really important topic in missions, polycentric missions. Welcome, Kevin. Welcome, Keelan. Thank you. Thanks. So tell us a little bit about who you are. Kevin, we'll start with you. Uh, I work for the International Mission Board. I'm actually from Sub-Saharan Africa. Been there for about 25 years, and I currently lead a team called the Outbound Team, where our focus is trying to mobilize Africans to the ends of the earth. Amazing, Keelan. What about you? Yeah, so I'm kind of the hometown guy right now, right? So I'm here at the seminary. I direct our globe, uh, our Center for Great Commission uh, Studies. That's our mission center here at the seminary, and uh, teach missions and uh, have quite a love and passion for a lot of the conversation that we're going to have today. So I was excited to be a part of it. Yeah. Thanks for being here, both of you. So if we're going to have a podcast where we talk about polycentric mission, we probably need to start off by defining some terms. So what is polycentric missions? Yeah. Well, a a few years ago, I wrote an article about shifting epicenters and talked about what was the center of Christianity and how it was moving from the West to the global South and Africa was becoming the future for center and sending But these days, we don't think so much about what's the center as much as we do from everywhere to everywhere. So people are going, people are coming, and so there are maybe lots of centers, or even a better analogy is probably more like spaghetti, where it's so complex you can't even necessarily track all the people moving from here to there and everywhere where everybody's involved in sending and going to the nations. Yeah, there's this fascinating thing that I think we we tend to fall into the trap here in the States in particular because we've had such a long legacy of missions that has been, a I think, a good and a strong legacy of missions. We tend to fall into this trap of thinking, as you said earlier, about a unidirectional or a one-directional flow of, of mission from here to there. And there's been a lot of great work come out in uh, the last couple of decades, really. Different books that you've seen uh, talking about how that's all changing and it's shifting, right? And that's Absolutely true, but it's a hard thing for us to wrap our mind around. And you, uh, as Kevin said, you initially get this early discussion, uh, maybe in the last couple of decades, of how the center is shifting. Well, I think this idea of polycentric, uh, it hits on a really important point. Maybe there's no longer a center, but there are multiple or many. And realizing that it goes from a bunch of places to a bunch of places is a shift that we've really got to make in our thinking. Sure. That's amazing. So both of you come from very different contexts and are doing very different things. And you probably have very different vantage points on polycentric missions. So how do you see polycentric missions play out in your role? So I'll go ahead and take a run at that one. Uh, From here in the States... So I've got kind of two things that I'd, I'd bring to the table, right? So one, I'm, I'm in a, a local church member here in a North American church uh, just outside of a major metro area. 
So there's, there's kind of one hat. The other hat, of course, is the work that we do here at the seminary and me uh, directing the mission center. And so in both of those vantage points, this idea of polycentric mission, it really plays into what we're doing. Uh, let me hit the kind of the broader North American conversation first. Sure. So when we talk about a polycentric approach to mission, and it's not just from here to there, we've got to realize that there is also headed here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this fascinating reality that's happening right around us now uh, when it comes to migration, global migration. We've talked about that in other places here at the seminary, uh, other podcasts. In fact, on The Scent Life, we talk about uh, how migration's changing the boundaries of how and where missions is done. And we see all these diaspora groups that are landing here in the States. Uh, some of those are least reached people. So we have a new opportunity to engage cross-culturally. Uh, to those peoples just kind of right down the street, whereas we would have had to have gone, you know, halfway around the world to get to them. But the other reality of that that doesn't get talked about near enough is the fact that a lot of the migrants that are coming to the States are coming as Christians. And if they're coming as Christians, that becomes a game changer in how we're going to engage in stuff because now the table is flipped and they are seeing the States as a mission field, a place where they would engage in making new disciples. And now uh, we become the mission field that way instead of the mission sender. And they come to us as partners in trying to engage our own field. And so that's a pretty neat phenomenon uh, that that we see happening nowadays is these churches are cropping up and you'll be driving down the street and you'll see this uh, strip mall and there's there's a church. It might be a church, but it's names written in a foreign language. And you're like, is that what is that over there? There's all these different language churches and things that are showing up now that that are changing the shape of what North American missions looks like. And it's a fascinating thing. So that's one hat, right? The other side of it for me deals with how we're training and equipping people here at the seminary. Uh, Increasingly, we're seeing uh, a level of diversity in who we would send on mission trips through the school, uh, on partnerships that we would have and we would establish uh, in our mission sending with not just our own Western personnel that are overseas, but what does it look like for us to engage in some of these areas? They're starting to develop their own mission boards. And what does it look like for us to be able to to partner with different uh, language groups here, different people groups that are here that are wanting to engage in sending mission trips somewhere else? So it increases the diversity and really the surface area tends to be the way I think about it on like points of contact, how many people would be able to be involved. It's a multiplier effect in different avenues and venues of of mission for us as we send here through the seminary as well. That's really great. I'm excited to hear about that. And a lot of, not not a lot, many of those are uh, partnering with some of our GTI partnerships. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's really cool. Uh, What about you, Kevin? Well, if you think about polycentric, this term of, of lots and lots of centers of sending and receiving, I mean, that's important to us because we're trying to sort of make a shift even in sub-Saharan Africa where we don't want to necessarily continue to just be the receivers of missionaries, but also the senders of missionaries. But I think to use Keelan's word phenomenon, another current phenomenon I think that's really occurring right now is this growing awareness and growing ownership of the local church and the missionary task. Mm -hmm. And because of that ownership, that means that actually every single local church on the planet becomes a center 
for mission sending, whether they send through a denominational agency or they send on their own or they send to the next village or they send around the world. That's where that concept, I think, of polycentric comes from, that there's this sense that it's not just a certain church or a certain group of churches they're supposed to be sending, but that every single church, if it's a healthy church, is to be involved in sending. So we think more of multiple streams, multiple pathways. There's no real sense of a, of a center in the future. And I think that that's speeding up. Every day it seems like I'm seeing a growing awareness in this uh, because of things like the Internet, the Global Village, Smaller World, Diaspora, things Keelan's mentioned. And just the missionary task is becoming more accessible to the typical church member. It's not just the purview of the professional missionary, but we see sent ones being sent from everywhere to everywhere. And the typical missionary even sees their life as being, I'm sorry, the typical church member sees their life as being on mission uh, for God wherever they are planted by him. So um, it's, it's a growing phenomenon, I think, not only because of the way people are moving, but because of the perspectives people have about what does missions mean and who should do missions. If I can go ahead and hop back in here, I don't want to commandeer this moment, but one of the things that I think is so neat, this is why I love having Kevin at the table for this conversation, um, we... So he's in Africa, and we tend to think of uh, us sending people over to Africa and them being, in a sense, the object of our mission. Well, there's a point when disciples have been made in a place like Africa yeah. where they become the agent of mission, that's right. and they themselves have the same great commission that's been given to them. And what does it look like for that area to raise up its own and create its own sending culture. And we're in a situation now when it comes to this conversation about polycentric mission where that's exactly the conversation we get to have. It's very exciting time to be alive for that very reason. I, I talk about this all the time with my students. We have, like, we are proof that the Great Commission has happened, exactly. right? Because none of us are... are the original disciples that Jesus gave the commission to. So these people have been faithful. They've taken the gospel across all these, uh, all these areas. And then we, for a season, picked it up and hopefully, you know, continue to pick it up um, and, and have taken the gospel across cultural boundaries. But so now are Africans, so are people from mm-hmm. India, so are people from uh, Latin America. We have a partnership in GTI with the Brazilian Baptist Mission Board. And that's, you, you'll hear more about this in one of our uh, episodes. I think Dr. Dr. Ewart is talking with uh, Fernando Brandao, who's one of the presidents of the mission board. And so it's a, it's a really exciting time to be alive as people across the globe are taking the mantle of the Great Commission and saying, I will obey God's command. Well, cool. So we've talked about some of the really good things that happen in, with polycentric missions, but it also comes with some unique challenges. What do you think some of those challenges are? Well, I think there are definitely challenges, at least from the perspective of those who are on what we would classically consider the mission field, people like myself. I think there are challenges when it comes to the ownership of the missionary task and teaming. Um, And those are two difficult things that we really tend to struggle with. So if people are going to go from everywhere to everywhere, that means not only should we be trying to send the people that we work with, who we would traditionally call our our national missionary partners, but we should also be receiving other people onto our teams. Well, when you're receiving people onto your missionary teams, whatever location you are in the world, now you've got to share that vision, you've got to cast that vision, and you've got a team in actually what is a cross-cultural context. And that's sometimes more difficult than doing cross-cultural missions, is how do you team with someone who comes from Asia, and you don't know their culture, you don't speak their language, but they've been called to serve in sub-Saharan Africa just like you. How do you partner with them? How do you team with them? So the the concept of who owns the vision, who's 
in charge, if I could use that word. It's yeah. not a very good one. But um, and how do we team well together without being a you know, offending one another. I think those are significant challenges that occur when you think of from everywhere to everywhere. Yeah, I think it's really well said, Kevin. So when we kind of roll into the North American context, right, and I just brought up the fact that we've got all these new churches that are popping up around us. And uh, it's funny, when it comes to North American missions, when it comes to church planning, when it comes to like doing the work of our own local church, it's unfortunately often common for people to leadership or, you know, lay lay people in a church to develop a spirit of competition with other churches in their area instead Mm -hmm. of one of cooperation. Mm -hmm. And so that's baseline. That happens if we're all, you know, like speaking the same language, thinking the same, thinking in the same culture and doing all that kind of stuff, right? So the multiplier effect to conflict that comes when not only are these other churches that we now need to cooperate with and see as partners speaking a different language and living in a different, essentially like in a different culture. And so they they think different, they act different, they talk different, they eat different, all of those things, a different language, a different way about approaching mission often. And then in the midst of that, we're now saying, hey, if we're going to be faithful to cooperative mission here in our city, uh, what does it look like for us to work with those churches? Uh, it's similar to the teaming thing you're talking mm-hmm. about on on the the field or in other places. Uh, here, I think you've got to ask the question about how do we be a good church partner to another church that's mm-hmm. radically different in culture to us, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of the same questions about authority and who's in front and who's in back and all these questions they they come out and there aren't clear answers. Yeah, it's not easy. No, it's not at all. But it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be alive when the Lord has raised up people from all nations to do the mission together. Yeah. So in this podcast series, we've been talking a lot about global theological initiatives. And I'm just curious, how do you think the work of uh, the GTI does helps or aids this idea of polycentric mission? Much in any way. Like there's, there's a, a bunch of different ways that I would say that it does that. GTI is a really neat thing. I, I often tell people that I think it's probably one of our like coolest things, most important things we're doing as a seminary that nobody's heard about, if that makes sense. Um, the work of building in structures and equipping and partnerships in the new centers, if we want to stick with this polycentric uh, idea, the new centers for sending in the next century. That tends to be the way that I think about what GTI is doing. Uh, it, one, captures in a realistic sense, maybe even more so than a lot of what the rest of us are doing around here, the, the new face of what global missions is and means. It takes that seriously. And it says what we really need to be doing is figuring out how we're engaging to raise up the next century's sending systems and structures mm. and equipping people to be doing and engaging in that work. And so the most important resources in development might actually be engaging in uh, creating healthy sending and equipping in places like sub-Saharan Africa and places like Brazil in order to equip that next generation that's coming from all of these centers, not just ours here. That is a tremendously important goal if polycentric missions is true. Sure. 
Yeah, I, th- I think from a practical perspective in sub-Saharan Africa, one of the greatest impacts we've seen has just been the emphasis of GTI to raise up the next generation of African theological education leader. Mm. Um, because if Africa is going to send, if African churches are going to send African missionaries to the ends of the earth, they have to be trained. They have to be able to have good theological education. They need to be equipped in the missionary task. And um, and so, and we need African systems and structures that can help, you know, produce that. And so GTI is a good partner in coming alongside that and helping us to sort of raise the bar and raise the level of African institutions all across uh, the continent. And that's really been super helpful for us. But I think from even a greater perspective here on this side of the ocean um, is I think GTI really pushes the idea that what what needs to be Southeastern's footprint, missiological footprint around the world? And I think it it raises the idea of what needs to be your church's missiological footprint Mm. around the world? I think the greatest thing for me when I think about polycentric missions, at least from a a North American perspective, is that it drives us to sort of lift our eyes and ask the question, what am I doing to be involved in the missionary task? And I think in the past that in the same way that maybe there's been a blind spot for the the majority world where they've sort of seen themselves as the receivers of missionaries and the West as the senders, and now they're kind of disabusing themselves of that thought and kind of pushing forward and saying, well, how can we actually be fully engaged in sending and in missions around the world? I think the same thing happens here. I think Mm -hmm. there's a sense in SBC life where the IMB, they're our professional missionaries that we fund and send. They're the ones who do the missionary task for us, and that's not really the case. I mean, we have a role to play, and there is a a role for those who have been called to missions, but everybody is supposed to be on mission. Everybody's supposed to be missional. One of the things that analogies that helps me is I think about, you know, Ephesians 4 talks about an evangelist. There's a role for an evangelist in the local church, but every church member is supposed to be doing evangelism. Well, if there are sent out ones, if there are apostolic sent missionaries that local churches, SBC churches, send to the ends of the earth like they do through the IMB, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't all be on mission. They might not be called missionaries, but they're all missional. They're all supposed to be doing missions in the same way they're supposed to be doing evangelism, and they're supposed to be doing everything else uh, in local church life. And I think it's important. GTI helps people think about what's my role in the missionary world? What, what am I supposed to be doing? How can I do more? How can my church do more for the world? How can I do more for the world? How can Southeastern do more for the world? I think that's kind of the heart of that polycentric idea that the, the local church owns the missionary task and that every member of the, of the local church is vital to that role of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. And we all need to be asking the question, what do we do to play our part? Amen. Well, that's a great place for us to land the plane for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Kevin and Keelan. Grateful for your input as we think about this really cool thing that's happening around the world, this idea of polycentric missions. Uh, This has been From the Four Corners, Stories of the Global Church, and we look forward to seeing you next time.